Uh, in terms of masking up, I want to again thank Arizonans for their cooperation and participation in this effort. It goes a long way in terms of slowing the spread and protecting people. This is from Governor Doug Ducey's July 30th news conference. His updates were often tense. Face coverings were one reason why. Ducey needed political cover to push mask use statewide, so he gave power to local leaders, and their orders had made a difference by late July. This is uh, going to be a, a digital and billboard uh, ad uh, in terms of, of posters and uh, bus stops as well, uh, just to promote masking up and Arizona. Ducey clicked a remote and images filled a screen that all featured pictures of people wearing masks. Some read in all caps, it's what we're faced with. Our uh, professional sports teams have gotten their mascots involved in wearing a mask and I think you'll see all of Arizona's uh, major, major teams and universities participating in a really good ad. The screen flashed pictures of Howler, Baxter, Big Red, the Sun's Gorilla, and other local friendly furry characters wearing face masks with the Arizona State flag. And then I know we're all looking forward to the eventual return of live sports with fans in attendance, and that one's next. An organ plays a baseball tune as a hot dog dressed with mustard floats down the screen to reveal a mask doubling as a parachute. As the blue face covering leaves the center of the screen, words appear that say, save live sports, wear a mask. From KJZZ Original Productions, I'm Matthew Casey, and this is Empty Seats, a podcast about the pandemic versus a sports capital. The verb save in that slogan that appeared behind a mask parachuting hot dog has stuck with me since I started this project. Live sports need saving? What does that mean for our city? The ad was unveiled around the time pro hockey and basketball restarted inside bubbles without fans, something both leagues hope to change in their next seasons. Baseball just crowned a World Series champion with a few spectators, but the danger of roaring crowds releasing droplets that may carry the virus kept most of the seats empty in Arlington, Texas. Here in the desert, the weather is getting nice and so is the upcoming sports schedule. NASCAR's championship is this weekend. The Fiesta Bowl is on the horizon, and then we start the yearly bonanza that more than two million people went to before COVID. Temperature and screen you here. What's your first name? Matt. Matt? Any coughing, sneezing, vomiting? No. Headquarters of M Culinary Concepts is in North Phoenix, close to Scottsdale. Part owner Michael Stavros describes it as a diversified hospitality services company. We provide catering ranging from events, corporate, wedding, social, gala, all the way to and including spectator and sporting events. Uh, we also have a division where we feed employees on site at their offices. It's under our business dining flag. And because we're not busy enough, we also love to feed wildland firefighters in the summer months. We travel around the West. Before the virus, Michael says sports accounted for up to 19% of yearly revenue. That would include things like the Phoenix Open, um, other spectator and sporting events at Westworld, like the equestrian events. And then we travel nationally 
and work <clears throat> with ESPN on College Football Championship. Michael sits behind his desk and explains how M Culinary Concepts has gone to different cities to produce ESPN's party at the playoffs. Sometimes they've even expanded the operation to include the tailgate event. And this year, obviously, all that is changing. Michael says his company is not catering the ESPN party this year. Relationships first opened the door to catering sporting events. M Culinary Concepts goes back decades with the Phoenix Open. We started out as a single fine dining restaurant in Scottsdale called Michael's at the Citadel. And back in the day, in the late 90s, some of our loyal patrons were Thunderbirds. And one in particular uh, was a big fan of ours, and one of their corporate village clients, Xerox, uh, was looking for a new caterer for their tent. M Culinary Concepts took on the job. Their presence at the golf tournament grew over the years, and it became this giant food and beverage company's biggest event. And we're talking numbers that, that boggle the mind from a catering perspective. I mean, does the number 53,000 sound like a lot? Well, that's how many chicken breasts we produce. Uh, you know, 19,000 steaks, 23,000 salmon fillets. This is over only six days. Leftovers went to charity. The number of fans who'll get to attend the next Phoenix Open is unclear. In the meantime, food processors in the kitchen at M Culinary Concepts are whipping a fraction of the butter that they normally would. So in order for us to react in a timely fashion this year, we'll take as much notice as we can get from them. But because we've built up an operation that's atypical of a catering company, so to speak, we can turn on a dime. And if they come to us three weeks out and say, we're going to have this many spectators, we'll say, all right, what time do we start service? The Phoenix Open has drawn more than 700,000 people in a one-week sprint. The Cactus League is a month-long marathon that drew roughly 1.7 million fans the year before the pandemic. Bridget Binsbacher is executive director. A spring training game for the majority of our fans is what brings them here in the first place. And then as a result of that, they stay here multiple nights. And then they decide that they're gonna to go to multiple attractions throughout the state of Arizona. Bridget is also a Peoria City Council member. She's worked in finance and is a self-described baseball mom. Her kids have all played. It's how she became a volunteer for a local group, which led to her joining the Cactus League. Anyone who's had kids in club sports of any kind, you know what the investment is in that, in time and money. Um, our vacations were baseball tournaments. The Cactus League has been around for decades, but Bridget is the first ever executive director. Everything was volunteer before, she says. Dedicated leadership now is part of a strategic plan. And part of that is being one voice representing all of the Cactus League because we, you know, we have 10 facilities, 15 teams. It's important that we are represented as one voice. We're stronger together because of our, our collective impact is so tremendous. Another part of the strategic plan is preparing for 2031, when a hospitality tax is scheduled to end. The same funding sources the construction of State Farm Stadium and youth athletic fields has so far pumped roughly $105 million into Cactus League facilities. 
You know, it's really important that we continue to invest in our facilities because it's such a competitive environment. And, you know, it happens year after year. We love it. We bring in all this tourism as a result of it, but it isn't automatic. You know, our teams are our tenants. So the service levels that we provide are critical. The quality of the product that we provide are critical and it requires our communities invest in these facilities. Arizona has always competed with Florida for spring training. Closer to home, Las Vegas has exploded as a rival sports capital, having added pro hockey and football in recent years. And you can legally bet on games there. You know, I don't know what cities could potentially take teams from us. And our focus is really how do we retain what we have? How do we protect what we have? What Metro Phoenix has is half of Major League Baseball. Bridget works with state officials to remind leaders that ASU found that spring training injected $373 million into Arizona's gross domestic product in 2018. In other words, the Cactus League is a mega event. Driving tourism, not just impacting tourism, but driving tourism in a big way by uh, what happens year after year. So when you compare us to other mega events, some are, you know, every five years, eight years, whatever it might be, the Cactus League is here year after year after year. Average game attendance this year wasn't great. The league had shifted the schedule forward into the third week of February. Bridget says there are 10 days at the start when it's hard to fill the seats. That's nothing new. It's, it's an ongoing, um, I guess, challenge that we face year after year. How do we tap into the local market, uh, remind them that spring training is coming, don't take it for granted. A lot of them don't notice it until they're sitting in the middle of traffic close to their stadium, and it's like, what's going on? Spring training's here. I got to get to a game. Another part of the strategic plan is to build bigger and better marketing. In fact, we're actually partnering with uh, ASU as one of their core studies to look at how we can appeal to the local fan base. Spring break has become a destination. The flood of people who come to see baseball in Arizona crests in March, which was when this crowd saw the then defending world champion Chicago Cubs play the hometown Diamondbacks at Salt River Fields in 2017. virus took away the chance for these kinds of crowds to make up for fewer local fans this year. That's okay. It's important that we still tell that story because it supports how important this is, how important spring training is, how important our facilities are to the state's economy, to the future of the state of Arizona. And I really believe that we will be such a critical part of um, you know, bringing the state's tourism and economy back to where it needs to be and beyond. The 2021 Cactus League schedule is out, but you can't buy tickets yet. Baseball let a few fans into the World Series. Bridget says it's too soon to speculate if it'll happen here. That's definitely the big question. Uh, will we have fans? Will we not have fans? Uh, whatever we're presented with, you know, we need to be flexible. We need to be open-minded. We need to be ready to respond to that and keep things moving forward. You know, we just need to keep looking ahead. My glass is half full, though. Half capacity for spring training would be a large percentage increase from the World Series, while the same limit at Sloan Park in Mesa, the biggest Cactus League venue, would be about 4,000 fans per game. At the smallest ballpark, Tempe Diablo Stadium, it would be closer to 2,500 per game. 
I just want to be able to be ready. Since COVID-19 hit, we have all been in the trenches together. All of us in the industries and in businesses, small and large, <clears throat> have been in this together and reacting to it the best way we can. And I would like to be able to be in a position where we're more in a planning mode than we are a reaction mode. Imagine how many respiratory droplets this record-setting crowd of 115,000 people sent into the air in 2011 as they watched Michigan host Notre Dame. The college football stadiums in Tucson and Tempe combined can't hold that many people. But the yearly desert duel between the U of A and ASU draws a huge swarm of red, blue, maroon, and gold. Dr. LeBaire, what has to happen for you to feel safe to go to a Territorial Cup game again? Wow. So to go to a large game like that, um, I would like to see better evidence of herd immunity, to be honest with you. I, I mean, you're talking about a very large gathering of people at a, at a time when right now we've got widespread virus in the community. So don't think that getting large groups of people together is a good plan right now. Dr. Joshua LaBert is the executive director of the Biodesign Institute at Arizona State University. The Sun Devils are scheduled to play the Wildcats for college football's oldest trophy next month in Tucson to a stadium of empty seats. When people talk with a normal voice, as I am now, we produce 2,600 droplets per second of saliva that go out of our mouths into the air. 2,600 droplets per second. That's at a normal voice. It, it, the amount of saliva that comes out is much higher when we yell or when we you know, speak with loud voices. Or like when people sing or boo at a football game. Air we expel has moisture that carries the virus. Dr. LaBaire says choir events have caused hundreds of infections. An athletic event could be a very similar type situation, particularly if people are anywhere near each other. So um, yeah, I, I would be very nervous about it. The Arizona Department of Health Services has not set benchmarks for when sports venues can go back to full capacity. State officials still consider them high risk, which should be weighed with personal risk before choosing to go to a game. The virus is surging now, but it's hard to predict what the situation may be in early February when Metro Phoenix starts to host its yearly sports bonanza. As we all know, with this virus, things change quickly. Every, every, I just did a presentation for the university some folks at the university today, and I had to redo all my slides from three and four weeks ago because everything had changed. So it's hard to say what's going to happen in the spring. Still, COVID is always present in the community, Dr. LaBaire says, and the vast majority of the population has not been exposed. The people out there have never encountered this virus yet, and they represent fuel for the fire. They are ready to be infected, and they are ready to themselves then become transmitters of the virus. And so that, to me, means that you bring large groups of people together, the chance that there are people in that crowd who have the virus is extraordinarily high. I think once you get above a group of 30 people, it's almost guaranteed that someone in the group is going to have the virus. The size of a college football team is much bigger. Plus, they come with lots of coaches and support staff. In a nod to normalcy, ASU and the U of A are scheduled to play in the final regular season game of the year.
But there's no way to know if the Pac-12 season will get that far, says the director of public health at the University of Arizona Medical School in Phoenix. College, right? University life. We've seen people, you know, uh, flaunting the rules and getting together for parties. And a lot of times that's kind of what you do in college, right? And so um, it's hard to kind of control those environments. And so that that may uh, also impact whether or not college football can continue fully. Um, because of the impact that that behavior has, and it kind of is up to the folks involved. Dr. Shad Marvasti agrees with Dr. LeBaire that herd immunity is one way it could again be safe to mingle in a sellout crowd at a game. Or in a situation where the virus mutates and it becomes uh, much less fatal and much less harmful and becomes more like every other coronavirus that we've ever known, such as the ones that cause the common cold. Worry over problems like getting sick is an example of what we could once get a break from by going to a game. The sights, the sounds, and smells help you let your guard down. This can't happen if you decide to be part of a reduced crowd at a game during the Valley's spring sports pageant. Dr. Shad says we've got to stay vigilant on masks and social distancing. I think if we can take that seriously, then we can have the opportunity to enjoy ourselves and watch sports. But you can't wear a mask while having nachos and a beer. Sports elicit passion that we verbalize. Do these things have to be banned to keep fans safe? Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because it takes away from the whole experience as a sports fan. It's part of the experience to be able to get um, a drink and be able to eat and be able to scream and yell whenever things happen in the game. And I think that's problematic. Again, that's why we have to kind of start with a low capacity and strict rules and see if people are even able to follow the rules, you know, or maybe it's just too hard and we just have to wait it out. Sports outdoors are safer for fans than indoors, which is good news for the metro area. The Phoenix Open, the Cactus League, and NASCAR all happen outside. Dr. Shad says a low positivity rate in the Valley and having a relatively calm cold and flu season are key factors for choosing whether to allow some fans. I ask how many spectators would be too many. I think you have to kind of learn by doing here. I think you start low and you go up slow. Um, I think you probably start where a number of places have started with 25% capacity outdoors. You see how that event goes. You work out the bugs. You follow up with people. But even doing everything as safely as possible does not totally eliminate the risk of getting COVID. And if you have a chronic disease, if you have um, immunity problems or otherwise uh, medical condition, you may be at higher risk and you may want to just um, stay on the couch for the game. Max capacity sporting events will be among the last things to return to normal. I think conferences, conventions, and large sporting events are going to be at the end of the list from a public health perspective. Experts at Arizona's biggest public universities say we need the virus to mutate or reach herd immunity before it will be safe to fill all seats in our many stadiums, arenas, and ballparks. The road to herd immunity is the virus passing through most of the population or a vaccine, which has to be tested and have enough people trust it. Hopefully the pandemic will be over in time for the Valley to host its next Super Bowl in 2023, the Men's College Basketball Final Four in 2024, and the recently awarded women's NCAA Final Four in 2026. In the final chapter of Empty Seats, we'll ask if legalized sports betting can help Arizona recoup what the virus has stolen. For KJZZ Original Productions, 
I'm Matthew Casey.